Welcome back to WTMJ now, Sandy Maxwell, Steve Capri. Let's get right to Washington, D.C. Joining us on the Tri-County Contracting Hotline is Congressman Brian Style. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. You had quite an action-packed weekend, I think, with the uh, interactions preventing the government shutdown. What was your role on Saturday? The, the spending process in Washington is just completely and utterly broken. I'm as frustrated as I think almost every American is as to what's playing out in Washington. The good news that came out of this is we prevented a government shutdown. Nobody wins when the federal government shuts down. It's a game of brinksmanship. It needs to end. We need to rewrite the entire spending process. That said, we are where we are right now. And the key here is to utilize the 45 days ahead of us to make sure that we get the spending in place for the year ahead so we don't find ourselves in the same situation once again. What did it feel like on Saturday? You're sitting there all day, and I'm watch, I watched probably four or five hours of coverage. Uh, describe the mood. Did you think you were going to get to a deal? Were you confident the deal would get done? I was optimistic that we would ultimately get there. In the lead-up, Republicans in the House put forward a bill that would have been more aggressive at addressing the reckless spending. It had provisions to secure the U.S.-Mexico border. Ultimately, at the end of the day on Friday, we didn't have the votes to get there. There's a very small number of Republicans in the House that have been obstructionists. That then removed that as an opportunity. Where did that put us? It said, all right, what we need to do now is make sure that we have a stopgap measure to buy us some time to get the broader spending bills done. A few of us, myself included, were working to make sure that we were able to get there. The odds were against us. Most people didn't think we would be successful in garnering the support. But at the end of the day, the good news is cooler heads prevailed. We prevented a shutdown of us, of the federal government. And now it's time to get on with the work that so many people are dependent on Congress to do. There's been a lot of drama around Speaker McCarthy. I was one of the people who watched C-SPAN till the wee small hours watching him get into position. But now there's even more drama around Speaker McCarthy with Congressman Matt Gates saying he's going to introduce a motion now to get him out this week. Do you think that is a smart move and will it be successful? Not only is it not a smart move, it's a bad move. It's a distraction. And I think it's frustrating. This is personality conflict. This isn't driven by policy. Again, on Friday, we had an opportunity for a very conservative stopgap measure that would have secured the U.S.-Mexico border uh, and allowed us to negotiate that through with Democrats in the Senate and President Biden. There's a group, a small group of 21 members that voted against that, an obstructionist approach. Now it's kind of personal politics, kind of personal vendettas. The, the country is not served by that. What we need to do is truly step away from the personal side of things and actually work on behalf of the American people. It's what I'm so frustrated day in and day out of Washington, D.C., is people are allowing their personal feelings to get in the way of actually doing what's right for the American people. Would Speaker McCarthy need Democratic votes to retain his position? There's a kind of a series of options as to how this could play out. The best case scenario uh, is that if, in the end of the day, uh, Matt Gates moves forward with a motion to vacate, that we hold this uh, with Republican votes. From there, there's a whole series of options. Uh, the Democrats may or may not uh, vote uh, against McCarthy. They may vote present. I don't know the answer to how that will ultimately play out. But I think at the end of the day, and I'm confident at the end of the day, Speaker McCarthy is going to remain Speaker of the House. 
What's Matt Gates's game plan here? He doesn't have enough votes to really take over, but he can certainly slow down or hold up. So, I mean, you, you obviously are in the room with him. What's he like? What's his, uh, what's his uh, game plan here? Well, there are some individuals that just want to be obstructionists. And again, I go back to this kind of conservative approach to the stopgap measure where we were working to truly leverage our conservative position, working to secure the U.S.-Mexico border. I think a policy issue that's completely worthy of our efforts. It's a game plan. When you're in the mind, when you're when you control only one branch of all of your federal government, the House of Representatives, divided government, our strength is strongest when we're unified. There's some individuals that seem to disagree with that and think that my way or the highway approach is successful in the end. Although history has taught us time and time again, we can't break. We got to stay unified, and it's really an obstructionist position, an obstructionist view. Uh, kind of a burn-the-house-down approach uh, that just isn't successful in the end for, for anybody. What kind of efforts can be done to get those minority extreme folks to be a little more compromising and rational, since it really is obvious to even a casual viewer of the news, like it is a few people holding this up? Well, if you have the answer to that, let me know, because we've been working on this now uh, for for approaching eight months. Uh, and it's darn frustrating for those of us that want to govern. I look at the challenges we face as a country, everything from our our the current Biden administration's policy on energy, the crisis occurring at the U.S.-Mexico border, the reckless spending that's driving inflation and hurting families in Wisconsin and across the country. And it's time to get on with the work of the American people. But we do have small groups of individuals out of the entire United States House of Representatives that are on a vendetta to try to burn the house down rather than working constructively. That's a huge challenge. Uh, But that said, this is uh, the cast of characters that we're going to be dealing with uh, for this Congress. Congressman Brian Stile joining us on WTMJ. Now, two of our congressmen in the state of Wisconsin, Tiffany and Fitzgerald, voted no. Any sense of what they were thinking about when they cast those votes? I don't know the the rationale that that they have. I can just share with you what mine is. And my view is that if we failed to pass that CR late in the day, in the final hours before our government shut down, the federal government would have shut down. And at the end of the day, a shutdown is terrible for the American people. And if you truly believe, like I do, that spending is out of control, that we have to get it under control, entering a government shutdown, The end of the day is coming out of that you spend more money than if you avoided it in the first place. And so I'm of the view, as was Ron Johnson, as was most of the Wisconsin delegation, that what we needed to do was buy us some time, get a stopgap measure in place, let cooler heads prevail, and now use these 45 days that are in front of us constructively and thoughtfully to make sure that we get these spending bills in place so we don't find ourselves here once again. What do you realistically think will be different on November 17th when that continuing resolution ends? Well, we have been making actually quite a bit of progress. So in the House of Representatives, as you look at the the discretionary spending bills, over 70% of all discretionary spending has been completed by the House. The Senate has done zero. Usually what would occur is those spending bills, one would come from the Senate, one would come from the House, and we would then go into what we call conference, a negotiation to reach the final agreement on the spending bills. 
The Senate's way behind. The House has made some progress. By no means are we all the way there. Not impressive either. But that gives us the opportunity over these coming days to truly move forward the spending bills and push a negotiation through in a spot when we have divided government. At the end of the day, any spending bill is going to require the signature of Democratic President Joe Biden, and it's going to need to come through a Republican House. And so working through that takes time. But this buys us that little bit of extra time and prevents a federal government shutdown. What do you say to the folks? I heard from some of these people over the weekend that the only way you're going to force our government to spend their money more efficiently and wisely is to have a government shutdown. Is that a realistic response to a real legitimate concern about deficits and unbalanced budgets? Well, if we look back historically, I would say there's no evidence of that ever occurred. In fact, I think every time we have seen the federal government shut down in the past, we've come out in a worst position. And so every time the government shuts down, the pressure builds on members and senators in Washington, D.C., and understandably so. There's a threat that our military members aren't going to get paid. That's inexcusable. There's challenges with cancer research, with Meals on Wheels. The pressure builds. And so instead, at the at the end of the day, instead of actually having the adult conversation about how do we fund our priorities and how do we find areas to cut, we spend on everything. And so the empirical data here, kind of the what happens when you shut your federal government down, you can make a claim that you believe something else would happen. But at the end of the day, every single time Washington, D.C. has spent more money in the end. The sticking points in this conversation this weekend were was funny for Ukraine and border security. Can a compromise on those issues, compromise on those issues, be reached before that next date, November seventeenth? I, I, I'm optimistic it can, um, but these are both challenging issues. Republicans in the House uh, passed a what we call HR two, a substantive uh, piece of policy that actually secures the U.S. Mexico border, puts in place policies like stay in Mexico, requiring people to, who are seeking asylum to do it from their country of origin or from the country of Mexico, puts in place uh, asylum judges to be able to hear these cases quicker. Then as we look on the Ukraine side, we have to make sure that we are not only addressing the fact that Russia has illegally invaded Ukraine, that we're providing the, the, the weapons resources, but doing that in a way that there's a broader strategy which President Biden, I don't think, has fully explained to the American people the U.S. national security interest in supporting the Ukrainian military. And so this is a stopgap measure for 45 days. Let's take our time and let's address, in particular, the U.S.-Mexico border first and bring this as a cohesive package of the United States government spending for the American people to understand and see and make sure we have our priorities right. Congressman Style, just uh, one more question for you from me as we keep talking about 45 days creeping closer to November 2024, just around the corner. And wanted to know uh, what your takeaways were from last week's Republican presidential candidate debate. Well, I think we have a true opportunity to make sure that we're talking about how conservative policies move our country forward. The format for the debate seems to play well to Twitter clicks and hot takes. I would rather see us have a much more substantive and serious conversation about the biggest issues of the day, because the challenges we're facing with a rising global threat from China as they look to make a move and to invade Taiwan, to the energy challenges we have, to inflation in the United States, to the border issue at the U.S.-Mexico border, 
those conversations are not well structured in our current debate system. I think we need to look at that and say, how can we present ourselves in a manner where we're actually addressing the biggest issues of the day rather than having almost a TV show that's built for Twitter clicks? Do you think somebody was a standout on that stage last week? I don't know that anybody walked away uh, in a manner that anyone would be terribly proud of. I think we have a huge opportunity, though, in front of us to truly dive in to the policies that we need to see to move our country forward. I can't tell you how frustrated I am on a regular basis on how the broader uh, media ecosystem operates on kind of shiny object issue of the day rather than often the most important and substantive issues that are out there. And so I don't think anybody walked away looking great. I think we saw a lot of kind of back and forth insults that didn't really inform the viewer or the listener about what is really going on uh, for our country. Congressman Brian Stiles joining us. Thanks for taking the time. We really appreciate it. I know you're a busy guy today. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Have a good good day on the Hill. <laughs> Getting the job done. I don't know there's ever a good day, but I'll take it. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. You're listening to WTMJ Now.